0: Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope that today you have plans to spend time with some of the friends and the family who you love so much. And I know that this Christmas may not look like you had intended. But I want you to know that God sees you, and He loves you, and He cares for you. I'm glad that you're taking time to listen to our podcast, and we have a special treat for you today. For the next two episodes, we are going to share our top two podcasts from 2019 with you. And today, you get to hear a powerful testimony from John Thomas and Mary Lisa. I don't want to ruin their story, but they have got a powerful story of what God has done in their marriage but also what God has done in their lives to heal them from past wounds that they had as children and things that they carried into their marriage. So I know that if you heard this podcast when it was originally released, I'm sure you enjoyed it, but I want to challenge you to listen to it again. And if it's the first time you're listening to it, you are going to want to put this one as one of your favorites because I know that you will want to hear it over and over again. I hope you enjoy it and have a wonderful Christmas day.
1: I'm so excited that we're doing a podcast today that is going to be sharing a restored marriage. And so if you've not heard one recently, we want you to tell everybody about it because you're going to hear Mary Lisa and John Thomas share from their hearts of all what has happened in their lives of having tragedy and trials and tribulations to the point of uh, Marriage Restoration, and uh, we just can't wait to hear what they're going to share from their hearts and lives. So we're honored to have you, Mary Elisa and John Thomas. We are thrilled to have you come join us today.
2: Thank you for Thank you. us.
0: Well, let me jump right in and ask you guys, how long had you been married before you started realizing that there was some bumps in
2: the road? <laughs> <laughs> Probably shortly after the honeymoon.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and there were some there were some bumps in the road even before the marriage that we just kind of glossed over and just kept moving forward with.
0: What did you first notice? What were the things that you were struggling with early on in your
2: marriage and even in your dating relationship? Well, JT and I, or John Thomas and I both have, um, we both have a background and we've struggled with addictions. And so we kind of came together, him early in recovery and me very early in recovery, um, well, not even in recovery yet, almost when I met him and, um, you know, very broken and coming together, but also at the same time, I feel like it was God's grace because, um, we, we showed unconditional, like we felt that like God's love, unconditional love was shown through each other. Um, but at the same time we were very broken. I had, um, struggled with an eating disorder for about eight years and, um, you know, I had gone, I I'd, I'd come so far, but I still had a lot of areas that still needed healing and restoration, and, and my husband had pointed it out, and um, and he was early in recovery, about two years sober from alcohol, and so, um, I think those are things that kind of really influence. Like we were two people trying to make it work, tr- you know, trying to get in recovery and then trying to have a relationship on top of that. You know, newly in recovery, not knowing how to relate on a healthy level. Right. And
0: let me ask you a question: Were you believers when you got married?
3: Yeah, we actually were, but I was a I was a very new believer. You know, I know okay. I know Mary Lisa was saved very early on, um, and for me, I came to faith through uh, through the recovery process. So. Okay. You know, I grew up in a, I grew up in a home with a lot of violence, uh, with two uh, substance abusers in my family. You know, my mom and and my dad, and and you know, the funny thing is, is I always said that I would never be like them. Right. And By the time I was 16, I was already a binge drinker, um, a heavy binge drinker. And by the time I went to college, I was a binge drinker, but I was an alcoholic already, and I knew that. And I brought that into you know I brought that into the marriage, and when I got sober, I realized that the only way that I was going to stay sober is if I had God in my life. So right. I began to explore a relationship with God, and really, it was it wasn't until someone handed me a life recovery Bible and said, "You may want to check this out," that I actually began to look at the Gospels. I began to look at you know G- the ministry of Jesus, and I kept saying to myself, "You know this guy, this guy came, <laughs> he went out and ministered to people just like me." And and that's what I needed.
2: Mary Lisa, what was your home life like growing up? You know, I had a pretty, from the beginning, I had a pretty good, um, let's see, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. And however, when my, when my, after my sister was born, my mother got very ill um, and she got very sick and was sick most of my upbringing and my parents had divorced um, my dad, my dad kept me very involved in us, very involved in church, and was very committed dad. But I felt that that void of not of my mom being ill and the, my mom not being there um, a, a lot of my life. I did experience Jesus at in first grade. I remember accepting him in my heart. I went to a private school at, in, in chapel and experiencing the Holy Spirit. Um, so that gave me so much hope. But it wasn't really until I got to high school that I really just kind of starting to experience a lot of pain about what happened my mom and she had passed away too when I was 14 and so um, and then also I think being raised in the Christian home and going to Christian school I went to a public school and kind of my bubble burst in a sense that you know all my friends that used to go to church weren't going to church anymore and they were partying and you know, getting into drugs and, you know, sleep, you know, having sex. And I was like, what is going on? You know, I just like, you know, and so I, my senior year, I kind of hit bottom and I, um, just started getting really depressed and sad. And, and then pretty soon I just, I wasn't eating anymore. And I was, then I started, you know, thinking, okay, this eating disorder, might help. I mean, you know, I'm not enough. Maybe, maybe I took it personal, basically that all these things were happening, that maybe I did something wrong. And, and that took me into a spiral for, for, for the next eight years. You know, I never, I never left my faith, but I, I was, it was in bondage to the lie of the enemy. Um, and so that's kind of was my, my struggle.
0: You both brought things into your marriage from your childhood. You both brought examples of what you had seen happen as children with the drinking and then great hurt for the losses that you've been through and for things that you've experienced. So once we start marriage and we realize that there's some baggage from childhood that hasn't been dealt with and things are starting to get bumpy, the honeymoon phase is over. Mm-hmm. When did you really start to realize that maybe this marriage wasn't going to work?
3: Honestly, it, I mean, it was really right after we got back from the honeymoon and, you know, not only did we bring baggage into a marriage but we brought expectations into mm-hmm. a marriage, very different expectations. And we brought major control issues because of both of our, you know, struggles with, with our, our addictions. And so right after we got back from the honeymoon, it, it became a battle, uh, you know, a battle for control in the marriage and who was going to lead the marriage and, 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 Neither one of us was allowing the Lord to lead our marriage. We were fighting each other for control. We were so focused on one another and not focused on who really should be the spiritual leader in our home. And first and foremost, that's Jesus.
1: Amen. And you know, the thought of that is really when you come in with that baggage, um, I've always taught that it's like having a knapsack or a book bag. And you put it on in front of you and you put it in your arms and facing the front. So when you try to hug each other and you try to get close to each other, you've got all that garbage and all that baggage. We need to get the Lord in the midst of this and to remove all the garbage and baggage. At that time, John Thomas, did you try, you were a believer then at that time when you got married and, and you came back and you really wanted, you could see the control issues. Were you, uh, were you spiritually right then that you uh, knew the Lord?
3: Yeah, I, you know, I knew the Lord, but I, I didn't. I think what was missing, and and it's something that I, I have a heart for now and that I'm passionate about right now is I believe that there needs to be more mentorship between men in the church, and I think that that's an area with which the church struggles. Um, and for me, I'm passionate about men's ministry. I'm passionate about helping one another and really having that community of men that can lean on one another, because I think the tendency is for that to, for men to, to hide those things and not share those things with one another, even though we struggle with them. So yes, I knew the Lord, but I had no idea what it meant to allow the Lord to lead my marriage. I didn't know what that meant. People just kept throwing scripture out at me. And expecting me to know how to apply that. And I had no idea.
1: You know, especially when you say mentorship, the the whole thing is, it's so often we women rise up and try to run the household. And you get included into that Mm -hmm. instead of letting you say, how are we going to get you to be the head of the priest of the house? And if we're not really strong in the Lord, we're not knowing how to do that mentorship is huge because a lot of men don't even have never seen that lived in your own childhood or your own homes that you have no experience how to develop it to that point. Is that what happened to you, John Thomas?
3: Absolutely. And I think at that time, You know, I I saw some of these men in the church community and I thought, wow, you know, what an what an amazing man. I'd like to get to know them better. But I don't think I was in a place at that time to really reach out and ask for that help. And then to be quite honest with you, once I was later on in that position to ask for help, I don't think I really received true mentorship. I, I just kept I kept getting scripture and and for me, I didn't, I didn't, like I said before, I didn't have any clue how to apply that in my marriage, in my life. Um, I didn't really know what that meant. I was just still kind of, I, I was still kind of learning as a Christian. I was growing up as a Christian, and I needed someone to take me alongside and really show me how to apply these things in my life.
0: How many years into your marriage were you at that point when you started feeling that way and experiencing that? That was early on.
3: Oh, it was a month in
2: okay (laughs) yeah he was um kind of before what before we got married that's when i was delivered from the eating disorder and i went away um it was a beautiful story how god orchestrated me getting the help i needed and um at that time jt really had gotten um he got baptized got involved in church and so he was a new he was a new believer he had you know you know, when we were first dating, he was talking about how he's, he, was, he he met God and stuff. And then he, it was only evolving from then. Um, and I think where I, you know, I had been delivered, but I when, when I got married, I where I had to trust the Lord. And that's where my issue was, where I wasn't fully trusting the Lord. And I think when, you know, JT and I had separated, that's when I really, truly learned to trust him and see that he was trustworthy in every area Because, yes, I was grateful for the freedom and healing, but then a lot of my control and my, you know, all these feelings came up that I had stuffed for so long. And so then I had to deal with them and and then he was there. And so I was, you know, putting it, you know, on him. So I wasn't a very good example as a Christian (laughs) to a new believer, you know.
1: So how did you walk through your deliverance with your eating disorder? Would you like to share that with other people now?
2: Yeah, so... I again I I got really depressed there was things and you know a lot of things that happened in my life all at once in, in high school and and that just broke my heart I got really sad and um, I actually got really sad at first that I couldn't eat but it was interesting one day I was also you know I was homecoming princess cheerleader you know um, you know captain of the cheer squad I was at cheer practice one day I'll never forget And I looked down at my thighs and I was like, Oh my gosh, you are so fat. You need to lose weight. It was like a dead light bulb went off. It was like, what? You know? And, and then I just, it was like a light bulb went on. It's like, my life is out of control. Here's something I control. And then I just started these behaviors where I was, you know, restricting and exercising. And, um, this is when I was 17 and my parents, um, I had a lot of heartbreak too. I had I'd broken up with a high school, so my quote unquote high school sweetheart, and and my f- other friend was suicidal, and another friend she had, you know, she she was. We thought our pastors were going to take her child for adoption, but she ended up aborting the child. So it was just really painful, and um, you know, I, I found I found solace in these these this behavior, and my parents tried to. My dad had remarried as well. Um, my mom, you know, like I said, my mom passed away when I was 14. He uh, remarried when I was 16. And, um, I think I had expectations of her filling that void as well. And, you know, you can't, you can't put that on someone. (laughs) Um, with all that, I just, I just got really sad. And so I was in denial of it for about two and a half years and then my parents had intervened and they said, you need to get help and I started to go to counseling and I started to get healing. The thing is hard with eating disorders is is, is you just, it's kind of a complex thing to get help and then you have to learn how to eat and have freedom and it's very scary and all that stuff. And so it took me quite a while to figure it out. Um, I went to counseling. It started getting better. My aunt had told me about like, um, Twelve Step Recovery, and that was helpful for a season. And through this, you know, I prayed. I did pray, um, and I did go to I did go to private school. I, you know, college, and but I still felt like I couldn't be honest to really share my struggle, uh, and there was so much shame around it. Like, you know, I was a Christian. I grew up in the church. My dad was an associate pastor, and like I shouldn't be, you know, struggling with this and you know, I, I, I prayed to God a lot, but I, so, so I believe he heard my prayer and he did deliver me. Um, but again, I just was in bondage to this lie that I wasn't good enough, that I was, um, you know, not, you know, not worthy of love. And, and the thing is, is I'm not because God chooses us. So none of us are worthy, but by his grace, he loves us and he chooses us. It's so amazing. He just like, it has nothing to do with what we do or don't do. And um, his grace is just um uh, unbearable. It's amazing. So, anyways, um, when I had met jt, I had I went to college. I was helping other people, but I was struggling myself. And at that time, I was working at a drug and alcohol rehab. And you know, I'm sitting here and helping these women get sober, but here I am in my addiction. and me compared to me, you know my my eating disorder was my drugs and alcohol and I needed deliverance and freedom. And um, when I met JT, he he really had pointed that out to me that, you know, you've come a long way, but you're still struggling. And, you know, coming from a man who has had a different lifestyle, I mean, I really respected that, but yet I was kind of mad at him, but he was man enough to tell me the truth in love. And that was the love of God, you know? So that's why I was like, whoa, who is this man? (laughs) He's telling me the (laughs) truth. I needed to hear this. And, um, you know, I got to that point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I remember I was at Starbucks one morning and I had just got done like overeating the night before or quote unquote binging. And um, I told the Lord, I said, I don't want to be a hypocrite anymore. I can't do this. And, you know, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I went into work that morning and I told my boss that I was struggling and she was the director of this, you know, women's rehab on the beach, you know, in Southern California. And um, she looked in the eye and she said, are you willing to do whatever it takes? And I said, yes. And she goes, we're gonna send you to get help. And they scholarship me to treatment in another state and I got to go get help. And when I came back, I got to have my job back and I got to be on both sides of treatment and see really what these women went through. And I was honest with my dad, I was honest with my church, my church family was praying. You know, I thought they were gonna sit here and judge me and think, oh gosh, she's crazy. But they just, they showed me the love of Jesus and they prayed for me and it was awesome, you know? And so it just was a beautiful story how God did that. And you know, when we think, we think we can't take our secrets and our shame to him, but once we do, I mean, he blesses us. He wants to heal us. He wants to restore us. And so the devil
1: wants us to live in shame, guilt, yeah. and in bondage and keeps lying to us while the Lord is wanting you to have freedom in Jesus Christ and deliverance.
3: Right. And
1: mm-hmm. and the, the church people want to help people and love people, but they don't see what's going on inside. We wear a mask. Yeah. And for you to be willing to take that mask off was huge because you became a totally free and be set free and see the difference between before and after and be able to help the people that you were counseling more than ever before. Because you can say I was there, right. but now here I am now. Right. And that is such a testimony For anybody that has gone through that and how you say that so well that your father, who he was and where you were, is that you had prestige and you didn't want to put any shame on anybody. But everybody loves you just as I as you are because we love others and we love Jesus in you. But the devil wants us to say we're not going to be loved. We're going to be rejected. They're going to judge you. And and so what a testimony you have of of the church embracing you regardless of your circumstances. Yeah. And that's amazing. That's yeah. awesome.
2: And the neat thing really quick was, you know, when I told my dad, you know, he, he never put those expectations on me. I put them on myself or I believe the lie of the enemy. So that, you know, that was a lie that I believed. And so.
0: John Thomas, that goes back to what you were talking about earlier when you said that so often men. Are struggling with things in the church and they have too much shame and embarrassment to admit that they're struggling because that's their pews are filled every week with people who are wearing the sunday mask as we call it where they're pretending that everything is fine but behind closed doors at home things are broken and things are falling apart tell us how did you get deliverance from your addictions when you were struggling with that
3: you know, I grew up obviously very different from Mary Lisa. I grew up in a home with uh, a lot of a trem- tremendous amount of physical violence, um, addiction in my home. The first five years of my life were spent um, witnessing uh, trauma and violence. And, and that's, that was kind of the foundation for what my life was going to be like. And at five years old, my mom and I left. Uh, and went down to Southern California from the Bay Area. We, she she left my father at the time. We went down to San Diego, and my mom was still very young. I think at the time she was probably 23, 24 years old. So she still had a lot of life to live, and I was left in a lot of bad situations. And by the time uh, by the time I was six, I began to be sexually abused. And, and that that occurred over the period of two years. So, you know, really, my <laughs> my formative years were spent being, you know, w- witnessing violence, verbal and physical addiction, sexual abuse, all of that. And I remember feeling as a child that I was I was never I, I never felt comfortable in my skin. And the thoughts of suicide, the thoughts of wanting to harm myself began very early because I could not get out of my own head. I could not feel comfortable ever. It's like waking up in the morning, even as a, a six, seven, eight, nine-year-old, and realizing that any moment you're t- the, the entire world can come crumbling down on, on top of you. Uh, all I could think about, you know, I was a good student. I was a good athlete. I had lots of friends. I was very popular. But inside, I was dying. I was dying. And, and I was crying out for some kind of relief. And that that would never, that that never happened t- until I took my first drink. And once I took my first drink, I drank alcoholically from the very first time. I was 15 years old, I drank to blackout, you know, I, I threw up all over myself. I mean, I, I drank like an alcoholic from the very first drink, but it gave me relief. And, you know, I, I spent time, I was recruited to play baseball uh, in college. I was a good athlete, like I had said. Uh, I spent some time in the military. But all through this time, I struggled with my drinking. And I struggled until I was about 35. And that was my life. My life was filled with sexual immorality, um, violence at times. It was filled with a a lot of drinking and drug use. And I thank God every day when I look back on it that I wasn't a, a true drug addict, that I was more of an alcoholic. Because if I was a drug addict, I would have been dead a long time ago. And I realized now that the Lord had other plans for me. And so at 35, I was in my living room. I was drunk. It was late at night. And I was, you know, all weekend, I was on the phone with family. I was on the phone with other people. And I knew at that time that something had to give, that I could not live another day the way I was living, but I could not imagine living another day without drinking and being able to numb the pain. You know, at that time, I was drinking a half gallon to a gallon of vodka at night and getting up and going to work every single day. And I just, it came to a head, and I, I put a gun in my mouth, and I asked God to help me take my life. And I firmly believe to this day that God did answer that prayer that night. It's the first honest prayer I ever made in my life. You know, I didn't really know God. I had no idea who Jesus was. And for the first time in my life, I actually made an honest prayer and God answered that. He removed that from me. I was able to get into treatment two days later and I've been sober ever since, you know, that's, uh, almost 11 years It'll be 11 years in July. And, and really it's because of that sobriety. It's because of a 12 step program and treatment that I discovered the Lord and I discovered my relationship with Jesus.
1: What a powerful testimony of what God can do and how God hears every prayer that we pray. And you weren't cleaned up or anything. You just cried out, God, if you're there, you know, (laughs) and and he said, yeah, I'm here and I'm going to rescue you. You know, what a testimony. That is amazing. And you really, nobody can take that ever away from you. Because you know the power of God and what He did in your heart and your life for thereafter.
0: Hi, it's Lori. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I know that we have enjoyed so much this past year and producing so many new podcasts and creating the content that I really think is resonating with so many of you. We appreciate your support in listening to the podcast, and we appreciate your support. Um, in subscribing to receive them, and sharing the episodes with other people. We have had a phenomenal response from people who have really communicated to tell us how much it means to them. As we wind down the year, I also want to make you aware of where you can donate if you would like to support the work that we do here at Rejoice Marriage Ministries. You can visit rejoiceministries.org, and right on the top of that page, you can donate, Your donation, if it's being mailed, needs to be postmarked by December 31st for it to be included for your tax records in 2019. We are so thankful for all of you who give sacrificially. And we know that according to the scripture, the Bible says that your first fruits, your tithes, should go to your local church. And that is what we have always taught at Rejoice Marriage Ministries, and that's what we encourage you to do. So we understand that when you're giving to us, you're giving from above and beyond your ties. and we appreciate that. And we look to see how God will continue to multiply the gifts that are given so we can continue to minister to people. When did your marriage even though you had problems from the beginning, when did you hit that point where you said, I don't think we're going to be able to stay together any longer?
3: Yeah. Well, I mean that, that first six years, um, it was, it was brutal. I mean, there's no other way for it. and There's no other word for it. It was brutal. I, it, it was, it was filled with just constant fighting a constant struggle for control. You know, at times things got physical, they were verbally violent and, You know it was coming to a head and it kind of all culminated uh at a time where mary lisa walked out of the house
2: yeah so i i think we we tried you know i think we from the beginning we both we both wanted the marriage to work we really did and i think that's why we stuck (laughs) together you know we kept on like fighting but we kept on like shoving it under the cup and then it would be fine it was like this like you know up and down up and down and a year before we had separated You know, I was, I I was, I was, one of my control things was, was, uh, you know, working and trying to help the family, um, financially instead of trusting the Lord and letting my husband do that. I was like trying to take control of that. And so I, I was working a lot and I got a really good job and I was getting a lot of attention from men and, um, you know, and it was, it was painful at home and I was like, Wow. Like I could I could leave my husband and I could marry someone like I really thought that. And I almost my heart was getting hard. And, you know, I, I remember I went on a trip and I was like, I'm gonna leave him. Like, you know, he's he's been abusive and he's been mean and you know, we've had issues, intimate issues, and I, I tried to justify it that, you know, I could I could leave him. And I even prayed about it. <laughs> I was like, God, I mean, I really love the Lord and I, you know, but I really was like praying about it, but like I was praying about it and God wouldn't let it happen. It was like, it was like he took the guy away from work that I was attracted to. Um, my heart started softening for my husband and I was just like, I can't do this, you know? And I understand how people can get hard and they can, you know, have affairs. I can see how that could happen. So, you know, you know the enemy's cunning and baffling, and he'll make it look like oh things are better. But you know it's it would have been terrible if you know I went down that road. And so I believe that was God's grace. Now fast forward the next year. Again, we were still you know we went to church. We weren't very involved, but we went, and um, we had gotten a big fight. It was uh, around Christmas time at my parents' house. And they saw us fight and they just, they were appalled. They said, if you guys, they said, you guys need to do something. They knew we're having problems. They said, you're not welcome back here until you figure it out. And we were just like,
3: whoa, you know, wow. So. Yeah. And I was, I was at a point where I was just done hiding it. I didn't care who knew. I knew something, I knew something needed to come to a head and I wasn't going to, I wasn't I was no longer embarrassed or ashamed that we were struggling it, it's it's almost as though i i i wanted it to come out and the lord needed to drag it into the light
1: Amen.
2: yeah he we went home we, we fought the whole way home we went home and again we still wanted to make it work but we just didn't like know how so we're, we thought that maybe like getting a divorce was the only thing that could you know help um but at the same time we didn't want to do that so we felt so stuck
3: she can say we didn't want to do that. I think she didn't want to do that. I was ready.
2: Yeah. Well, I was ready. So anyways, um, well, I, yeah, I was in denial that he wasn't ready. But I was upset. And he started going to counseling with the pastors at church and trying to make things right. And my heart got so hard that I just, I I, I left home. And I went and I stayed with my brother and his wife. Now, I told him that I wasn't leaving the marriage, but I'm leaving I, I need space. You know, I left, I slandered my husband, I gossiped about him. I mean, I had done I would have been doing that from the beginning. And I was at my brother and sister's house, and then I started feeling very convicted. And and I started feeling compassion. Like, wow, you're being so mean, Mary Lisa. And um we were we were we were trying to meet with the pastors together and and then I remember one night I was driving my car. And i think this was the day that we talked the counseling session got canceled and he said he was done and and i was just like wait you know we had thrown those words out before but something was different and i was like oh no and i really felt like the enemy like came when i was driving in the car i felt like the enemy just like tried to come in my marriage and it i like i had this like holy fear like the spiritual battle i like my eyes were open the blinders were open from my eyes and i was like oh my gosh this is serious. This is a spiritual battle. This is no joke. Like, and I was like, I need to go home. So I called my husband. I said, I'm going to come home. And he said, well, if you come home, I'm leaving. And I said, well, I'm coming home. <laughs> and so and
3: I, I left. And he left. <laughs> and that started, that started 18 months of separation. Wow.
0: So during that time, when you left John Thomas, were you not willing to work on the marriage or you just felt like it had been too much and it wasn't worth it. You felt like you were done at that point as well.
3: Yeah, no, I was done. I was done and I was moving forward. And, you know, I, uh, eventually I took a job that brought me back to Southern California, uh, from Northern California. And I told her, don't follow me down here. I don't love you. I don't want you in my life. Um, Don't think that you're going to come down here and we're going to get back together. It's not going to happen. And I even took our two pugs with me. I was, you know, I was gone. And I took a job offer and came down here and I began to live my life. And I I stopped going to church. Uh, I was disconnected from church. Um, You know, eventually I began began dating again.
0: Did you ever revert back to drinking when you were in the midst of that hardship and the battle with your marriage or did you stay sober during that time
3: Oh no yeah that was one thing that I wasn't going to do because it, I knew for me to drink again would be to end my life and yeah. and I didn't want to end my life uh, I just needed I needed to find a different direction because I was so miserable in our marriage and the thing is I had no idea how to make it work you know I look at something like Ephesians 525 now and And I have a completely different perspective of what it means to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And I, you know, I can't tell you how many times that passage was thrown out to me, you know, while we were struggling, you need to love your wife like Christ loved the church. What does that mean? Right. (laughs) You know, when you, when you don't have an understanding and you don't have a mentor, you don't have someone discipling you. And Jesus called us not only to go out and, and share the gospel, but to, to disciple
1: And I think that that's
3: not happening on the level it needs to happen in the church today. And I think it's really important as Christians that we find people to disciple, whether it's in their marriage, whether it's men discipling men or women discipling women about addiction and struggles. Or if it's just discipling new believers, I say just, but I mean, that's a major thing. We need to get out and disciple people because that's what I needed in my life. And now I know what that means. I mean, Christ is... He's calling us to be like him towards our wives, just like he was towards the church. He's calling us to literally die on our, you know, on a cross. Am I willing to die for my wife? Am I willing to die to self? Yes, but die physically for my wife. What am I willing to do? What cost am I willing to pay for my wife? And it's funny because during this entire time, you know, I I served her divorce papers. I was dating again and... Unbeknownst to me, she was leaning into the Lord. She was praying for our marriage. She had moved back down to Southern California. Um, we were now sharing custody of the puppies, and so God was using the dogs and every other thing in our lives to to give excuses for us to see each other. And I was bitter and angry towards her still. And it's funny because the more I would date, the more I realized that I hated dating. And uh, it was just, it was awful for me. Uh, you know, and I kept, I can't, I remember thinking to myself one day, well, you know, maybe the evil that I know <laughs> is better than the evil that I don't know. You know, and I still had that thought in my head of her being evil. And those were Mary
0: Lisa's prayers being answered that you wouldn't like dating. <laughs>
3: Well, yeah. And I didn't know that she had a prayer army at church. You know, by now she had she had settled into her home church and she had an army of women that were all (laughs) praying for our marriage and praying for my heart to soften. And it worked. So,
0: Mary Lisa, did you tell him during this time that you were praying for the marriage and that you wanted to start over new or did you keep that away from him at this point?
2: I mean, I think I used wisdom and discernment, like there were times I would say stuff and times I would be silent because I didn't want to push it, you know, and, um, but I I did say from the beginning, like, you know, God doesn't want divorce and he hates divorce. And, um, I believe he can restore us and do something new and, you know, He was just like, no, (laughs) he wasn't buying it at that time. (laughs) And and I was like, I'm not signing the divorce papers. I have, I want nothing to do with it. I mean, I didn't tell him that. Um,
3: Well, and it's interesting because in a week period, Mary Lisa was laid off from her job. I served her divorce papers in the car. And a friend of hers from high school killed herself because of substance abuse. I mean, that all happened in a one-week period. And I had no idea that those things had taken place until later Until later on. Obviously, I knew about the divorce papers, but the rest of it, I didn't know that that was the kind of week that she had. And really, she turned and leaned into the Lord even, even more closely during that time.
1: The Lord is your refuge and protection, fortress, and stronghold in the deepest of our uh, circumstances. And you yes. found that out. Mary Lisa.
2: Yeah. I, I would say that was like I was like on cloud nine. I mean, I really was with the Lord. I was so in love with Jesus. I was praying and having these times of worship. And um, you know, it wasn't always like that. You know, from the beginning it was very, very painful when we first separated. And I was on my knees crying, could barely sleep, could barely, you know, eat. I mean, it was just a mess, you know. Um, but I, I really grew to learn to trust the Lord and and he gave me promises and he keeps to his promises he does not lie um and he showed me he was trustworthy and I kind of like I kind of test in a sense I was like Lord if you really are real if you really do this like you you show me and he came through again and again and again and I had to learn to look to him for all of my needs to be my provider my protector my lover, my, my refuge, my counselor, you know, I would pray that he would provide through my husband. I wouldn't ask my husband for money. And then pretty soon my husband started giving me money and that was the Holy Spirit. But he said, Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was the Holy Spirit.
3: you know, and I want to share, I want to share this with you. Cause I feel like it's really important for people to understand this part of our process. We went to secular counseling. We did pastoral counseling. We did all of that and it did not save our marriage. It wasn't until my wife began to really lean into the Lord, she gave our marriage over to the Lord and leaned on prayer and his covenant promises in his word for our marriage. And so I wanna I want to encourage people out there to let them know that God wants to restore. We serve a God of restoration, a God of reconciliation, a God that created a third creation in the garden. He created married couple in the garden for his glory. And so mm-hmm. God wants to restore that. And so it's important that we lean on that. And we, we lean into his promises and understand that he will restore and reconcile our marriage, but we have to give it all to him. We can't hide anything. We have to give it all up.
1: You have to surrender your heart and your life and your will, your way to him. And he wants you to pick up the cross and follow him one mm-hmm. step at a time. And Mary Lisa, you said it so beautifully that God was speaking to you through the word as you read it. And it was God does speak to, to us through the word. And, and he can give you a scripture or you can read a devotional um, from Charlene Kears or wherever, for whomever. And it could give, be exactly what you needed that day to keep on standing and believing for marriage restoration. And you knew the power of God, and you felt the presence of God. That's another point, I think, that you went from the tears and the pain and the suffering, but then you went into really having the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and worshiping Him and praising Him. And there is such love and freedom that you feel. um, Right. You don't have that fear
2: and anxiety as before, correct? Right. Oh, absolutely. It, it like, it, like, got better, and I think anytime time I started getting that anxiety, I would just, I would pray, I would read the Bible, I would go to church, I would go help someone else, I would, and that would help, like, it just got better, because, you know, when you separate, it also hurts you physically, you know, it's like you're tearing your flesh, and I mean, I, I, remember the, when we first had separated, I like, I could barely walk and get out of the car cause I was, I felt so weak. Um, but God had to do a deep healing in me. You know, I was crying from my gut. I don't think I had cried from my gut and it wasn't, it wasn't about him. It was about what God needed to do in me. And, you know, I had, I had issues, you know, from abandonment as a child and I, I needed to deal with that and, 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 and he healed me from the inside out and, um, it, it was so beautiful, like how he did it, and and how he restored, and how he has he has orchestrated our marriage so much better than I could ever control or manipulate it to be, you know. And now we have we're having we're gonna have a baby. Like that's such a miracle, you know. Okay, that a Miracle, <laughs> John Thomas.
0: During this time, when did you um, start softening towards Mary Lisa and towards? The uh, escaping the dating scene and maybe looking more towards what you could do at home to fix the marriage that you had.
3: Well, you know, I had I had stopped dating. I was miserable. I you know, and I just really I, I began to do daily devotionals again. Um, kind of started to go to some different churches, trying to find a home. I guess it was a gradual process, but I didn't realize it was a gradual process. The Lord was working on my heart over a period of time, and then I just woke up one morning and and just said i'm i'm done i'm i'm ready to come back home and i actually gave her a call and just said you know honey i'm i'm ready to come home
1: that suddenly <laughs> happened it's it, it. just like we say are you ready for that phone call yeah. at any time is your house ready yeah <laughs>
0: are you ready
2: <laughs> yes and i was ready
0: <laughs> what well, what was your reaction when he called and and finally made that call that you had been waiting for
2: well, it was it was so interesting because along the way, I was like, "Lord, change me." What needs to change? What do I need to prepare for for my husband to come home? And I and I believed it. You know, I was encouraged by you know I I, I came across Rejoice Marriage Ministries um, early on. I believe it was God's grace. I was already you know standing and praying and reading the God's Word, um, but I was encouraged by the testimonies and you know and, and Charlie and Bob's testimony, but. I was I was setting up for for restoration. I had I had to move into a new apartment, but like he was coming home, so it had to be ready physically. I had his closet already. That was my prayer closet. I was that was my prayer place. I would go to. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would pray, and I would just like he, he's gonna be here, and and then pretty soon, what do you know? His clothes are in there. But um, anyways that and just preparing my heart like, Lord, what do I need to change? What, you know, there was, I, I had, I had amends I needed to make. I I needed to go apologize. I needed to ask for forgiveness for those that I had slandered and gossiped my husband about. Um, and even other areas of my life, you know, search my heart, God, um, created me a clean heart, God, a renewed right spirit within me, uh, Psalm 51. You know, I prayed that and I read that a lot. And it was, I think it was about three days before JT came home. The Lord all of a sudden told me to start praising him because I was like, Lord, what else do I do? And he was just like, praise me. And he was giving me scriptures that, um, you know, one of the, the scripture he gave me in the morning that JT actually called was, here, let's see, I have it. Um, it was in Daniel 6 at 26 through 27 towards the end it says his kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end he delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and the reign of Sirius the Persian so it was like all the lions that came you know the you know, the enemy and everything I had to work through in that 18 months, like God, I, like my deliverance was here. Um, and, and, you know, my heart, I was praying for, you know, our marriage. And when he called that morning, it was so beautiful because, I, you know, I didn't expect it, of course, but I already had coffee ready. Cause I know he likes coffee. So it was like, he said he was going to come over. I got the coffee ready. It was like this dance. He like came in, he sat on the couch and then, then just there he goes. And it was just like, he just shared his heart and I was just like, of course you can come home. I love you. <laughs> and that was wow. hard,
0: you know. So that
2: is awesome.
0: Well, John Thomas, that day, did you expect her to, to welcome you with open arms, or were you worried that she would have a list of stipulations for you?
3: No, I wasn't worried at all. I just knew it was it was that time. You know, the Lord had worked on my heart, and I just it just came to that sudden realization. Uh, that it was time to go home. And you know, she did welcome me with open arms, but I was still a little hesitant to really she was going to she was going to church. Um, I was still a little wary of the church. I felt like, you know, maybe that was my shame and my embarrassment, and I needed to deal with that. And uh, you know, she was going to a, a church here locally. Um she was going to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and I kind of, I let her do that for a little bit. And then eventually, you know, by the time October rolled around, uh, I was ready. And I, you know, I began to go to church and it's, it's interesting because, you know, our church does a week of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year, every year. And it's the first time that I had done anything like that. And so I participated in the week of prayer and fasting and I kept asking God to speak to me during that week and praying for God to speak to me during that week. And he had nothing to say. <laughs> and I, silence. I. It's silence. And I just felt like, OK, you know, God, if this is you just wanting me to draw closer, then that's that's great. That's fine. And at the end of that week of prayer and fasting, we broke the fast and we had this great celebration at the church. And the next morning, you know, our pastor's message was all of us are called to ministry in some way. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just started pouring through my hand. I started writing things down on, on paper about a marriage ministry, a marriage restoration ministry, something like that. And we get home and Mary Lisa just starts pulling out notebooks of the things that the Lord has been speaking to her and scripture that he's been speaking to her about, you know, marriage restoration over the uh, the past 18 months. And it was a whirlwind. I realized that if we were going to do this, I needed to get involved uh, at the Bible college. (laughs) And the Lord had my application approved in less than two days. And really within a week, I started Bible college and that, and he had just pressed that upon me.
1: Amazing. God moves. When things happen and when we continually to pray different scriptures and keep seeking the Lord and standing in the gap and praying for the hearts to be transformed and changed, when it happens, it is so suddenly and God moves so fast, so quickly. It's like Bob coming and taking me to get a license to put it in my Bible, but then said at at lunch when God spoke to him, get married this afternoon. I was shocked, and I didn't have phones to call or anybody or <laughs> pray. It was me and the Lord. And, of course, I said yes, but it's amazing. So, like you also, God spoke to Bob, God spoke to you, and you knew, you knew that you were supposed to do it, and there was no doubt about it. And you would be disobeying if you didn't. Woe be to us if we disobey when it's that strong. And then he shows you his future plan and purpose for your lives. And that's
3: the most awesome part about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know,
1: I just praise the Lord. So now you're going there full time.
3: I'm in my third semester at the Bible college. And you know, it's funny The the Lord just, I, I could tell it was from the Lord because uh, in the first semester, I did a practical Christian ministry course. And that's kind of just getting involved in the church in some aspect. And I, I walked into one of our pastor's offices and I didn't really know the staff that well at the time. And I said, hey, you know, I'm taking this class, I need to get involved in the church in some way. And immediately he puts me uh, in the prayer ministry. And you know, what's the one thing that I I really don't like doing at that time? It's corporate prayer. It makes me really uncomfortable, really embarrassed. I don't know that I'm doing it right. You know, at that time in in my progress, I'm thinking, you know, that's the one thing I don't wanna do. And that's how I knew right away it was from the Lord. Because I didn't want any part of it. And God was like, yeah, I know you don't, but this is where I need you. And, you know, he's really, he's grown us in that. And now, you know, we're actually um, prayer team leaders for the second service at our, at our church, you know, and, and part of that prayer team. And he's really used that um, to grow my faith and to grow my prayer life. And it's still not really even close to where hers is, but it's getting there.
0: And you're expecting
2: a little miracle baby soon, right? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs>
3: Absolutely.
2: Well, and one of the things that I, you know, I want to share too is um when he came home, you know, that day, he didn't come home saying, "Hey, I have it all together." He said, you know, he still had things he had to work on and and he wasn't even sure about having a family and you know, and I just I had to give that to the Lord and and then when he had gone through that week of prayer and fasting, the Lord uh, put on his heart to start a family. And so, you know, and then we got, we got pregnant. Yeah. So I really had to trust the Lord with everything, but he's so faithful. He kept his promises. One of the scriptures he gave me beginning, I remember in Genesis was, um, this was when like our house, I was on my knees. He had left. I had no idea what we were going to do. Um, and it was Genesis seventeen one through 2. And it said, I am the God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between you and you and will greatly increase your numbers. I you know my husband was gone. I was getting older. Like there was no babies on the way. But God had a different plan. He's so good. <laughs> but God, right?
0: But God. Yep. Let me ask you a question. Those first days, months, and um, weeks, how did you, how did your marriage look different regarding like conflict resolution, regarding how you treated each other? What was different? And Mm -hmm. when you came to a problem, how did you overcome that now starting, you know, your marriage 2.0? How did it look different?
2: Well, I had gotten in the pattern of prayer and going to the Lord with everything. So I took that when he came home. And, and so sometimes I would go to the bathroom and pray, Lord, what do I do about this? Um, and then I knew we had things we needed that needed to come to light. And the Lord did it in His way and His timing beautifully. I mean, there was obviously times when we, you know, it was a tough conversation, but it was, we were honest with each other like we hadn't ever been before. Hmm. Um, and I think it was really prayer that. And, and seeking His Word for guidance, Him speaking to me through His Word of what to do in every situation, and and now that's something that we 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 can go to um, and even go together. We never had prayed together before, like before bed, and um, you know that's something we like we get to do today. Like it's exciting, you know. I mean, for the most part, I mean, the enemy doesn't always want you to pray together, so you'll have little hiccups here and there. But um, and
3: I th- I think it's very different because um you know we, we're now letting the lord lead our marriage and it doesn't it's not to say that there's not still not problems my default is anger um you know when when i'm frustrated when i'm sad when i'm upset when i'm my default is anger and god is softening that in me um but really it's it's a oneness that we never had before mm-hmm. and you know i think in the past we were always comparing the inside of our marriage to the outside of everyone else's Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. and not too.
3: understanding that everybody was dealing with the same kind of stuff that we were dealing with. And, you know, and that, that realization came later and we still struggle with that sometimes that comparison to one another and, and have it, you know, realizing that it doesn't, it doesn't matter what their marriage looks like on the inside or the outside Right now, the most important thing is us. And one of the analogies I use when I'm speaking to people is, you know, when we were struggling, it was, you know, the broken pieces of both of our lives were like shards of glass all over the floor. And her and I, when we were focusing on one another, we're trying to pick up these shards of glass and we're cutting ourselves and it's just, it's bloody and it's messy. And we're trying to shove it back together in this creation that that God had made. And it wasn't until we began to let the Lord lead us again, that he began to put the pieces back together Mm -hmm. and he began to reform this creation that he intended from the beginning. And that's still a work in progress, but we need to let him do it. Mm -hmm. The more we try to do it, it's it's like pulling pieces back out and then letting him put them back in.
0: I think that's huge because so often we'll hear from couples that get back together and then the first time there's a bump in the road which is going to happen you're not going to have a marriage free of conflict just because you're now having christ as the head of it but you're handling your conflict differently and people will get scared when they have a conflict in their marriage post-restoration and think we're going back down that path again but now you see and you're a testimony to the fact that you're handling it differently differently when you have the conflict, when you know, now you can identify my, my go-to feeling is anger. So I can identify that and you can get ahead of it because of what God has done and showing you what he could do in your marriage. I think that's great.
1: I am just praising the Lord of how the Lord has put you two back together again. And as one flesh, John Thomas, you had plans of one way, but God and with with Mary LaLisa praying, God in, intervened. And you seek in the Lord, and how the Lord touches both of your hearts and lives is just what all the restoration stories are all about. Of how God does it. And it's not about us. It's about how God moves in our hearts and our minds. Renew our minds. Renew our hearts. It is such a transformation which is so beautiful and uh, the lord does truly transform hearts and lives and marriages to be on the solid rock of jesus christ and what a testimony you both have with this
3: one thing i want to say and i think it's i think it's important i i don't think we understand how god wants to use us i had no concept coming back into this marriage how god wanted to use me Mm -hmm. and i never thought i was the kind of man that god would use Um, to speak to other men and women, um, speak to other marriages about restoration. You know, I look at my background, I look at my history, but the more I get into the word, the more I realize that I'm exactly the kind of man that God has used over and over and over again to share his gospel, to share his word. And I really wanna encourage men and women out there who are broken, that come from a broken background. We all have a story and it's a part of our testimony. And the more we share that story and we encourage others, the less that, that shame and that stigma of the enemy is going to have a stranglehold over people. And I think it's so important that we need, we need to share that and we need to realize that our story matters. Everyone's Amen. story matters. And that's the only way. For some people, they just need to hear one person, one person in their lives that, that understands how they feel. You know, we lost a friend to suicide recently. And if one person, the right person at the right time, had the boldness to step into the gap and share with him their testimony, maybe he might not have felt that alone. And so I just want to encourage people to share their stories and their testimonies because someone is waiting to hear it and God is waiting to use it.
1: Positively, and that is a very very true statement each of us have our stories and even though they look ugly dirty and wounded bob was molested also uh, when he was a child and buried it until the lord revealed it to him when when we were going through the divorce it was like putting a huge piece of the puzzle back together again for me to understand where all his anger and rage had been and i didn't know what it was and we never understood it. It was 19 years of marriage that you'd go up and down. It was like a yo-yo. and uh, But it was just a huge blessing when God revealed that nugget, that puzzle. And I think we often don't want to share or be transparent. We want to look like we're perfect um, believers, perfect Christians, that we had no Bad family issues or anything else, and or illnesses, or and really all of those stories makes our testimony to be all that it's going to be. And it's a testimony that will help so many other people. We don't understand how God will use that testimony to help somebody that will just say, That's me. And uh, that's what we all have to get to the point of really understanding that every one of us that gets saved and are surrendering our heart and life to the Lord, he's going to use us in mighty ways individually and collectively. And uh, we just praise the Lord for both of you for sharing. I'm going to ask you guys to pray first for the different individuals, John Thomas and Mary Lisa, and then I'm going to close and pray for all of us. Okay.
3: Heavenly father, we just praise you. We thank you for, uh, we thank you for your glory. We thank you that you are a much larger God than the box we try to put you in on a regular basis. Father God, we just uh, we come before you to the throne today and we thank you that we can come before your throne, that we're made righteous by the blood of Jesus, that that we are blameless and spotless in your eyes. But we come before the throne, Lord, and, and we pray for those that are struggling out there. We pray for the men and women whose whose spouses have lost left um we pray for prodigal spouses father we pray for unbelieving spouses lord we want you to do a work we're asking you to work on the hearts and the minds of those out there that that are struggling with their marriages lord we pray for restoration we know that you're a God of restoration you're a God of reconciliation lord that that what you have created let man not separate father god we just we we pray for strength we pray for wisdom and discernment. We pray that those out there that are experiencing suffering and the pain of separation that they will know you, Lord, and they will come to know you more intimately, that you will have a relationship with them and that you will restore their marriages and their families, Father God. Lord, we just we thank you for the work that you've done in our marriage. We thank you that you have stood by your promises. We, we thank you that you stand by your covenant promise in our marriage. and Lord, we just we lift up all hurting marriages, all struggling marriages to you. and we praise you in Jesus name.
2: Lord, we just thank you and we praise you for this time in the ministry, Lord, and your love and your grace, and you are all in all. You are the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. You are a provider, our protector, our counselor our husband, our ultimate husband, Lord, our lover, perfect, holy. We, we worship you, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you for this time of sharing. And I thank you, Lord, um, for this ministry and all those, Lord, that are struggling right now. I just lift up those who are hurting, who are going through uh, marriage problems, separation, divorce, or if their spouse is moving on to another relationship, Lord, I pray that you would Comfort them Lord that they would experience you in a deeper way like never before that they would experience your love That they would see that you are trustworthy that you keep your promises um, That no weapon form against them shall prosper Lord And um, Isaiah 54 17 Lord you say no weapon form against me shall prosper and Lord you gave me that promise Lord in my journey through all the hard times, the conversations, receiving the divorce papers, when I knew that, you know, there were other women. Lord, you told me, "No weapon formed against me shall prosper," and you and you get and you kept your promise. So those that are hurting, God, may they not give up, Lord. And in those times, I know it's hard and it's weary some days. Um, help them just to get back up, Lord bring them people to encourage them and also help them even as they're in pain to encourage others and, and to share your love with others. Lord, you want that. And you showed me that I need to share. You also showed through this ministry, Lord, pray for other people when your marriage is struggling, Lord, um, share, share what you can. You don't have to share the details of your, of your situation, but, um, share what God is doing in your life, Lord. So help those standards that, you know, our struggling Lord and, and know that no matter the circumstances, you are the God of the impossible. Um, with you, all things are possible. You know, you parted the red sea, you, um, brought Jonah out of the whale on dry land and you had him do your will. It was, you know, when, when Goliath came against David, like again, that circumstances look so big, but no weapon form against David prospered. He, you know, took his little humble stone and obeyed you, and you um, you delivered. So Lord, help the standards look to you for deliverance, God. Uh, comfort their heart, show them how much you, you, you love them. Give them your divine wisdom and discernment, in every situation, every circumstances, and may they never give up. May we never give up, Lord, until we see you face to face. May we continue to follow you in every areas of our lives, because that's really what it's about, following you one day at a time, through every circumstances. And because you sent your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, who could give us victory. And thank you, God, that we have the victory in you. So we love you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Lord, we just praise you and thank you for John Thomas and Mary Lisa's testimony today. We just give you the praise and the glory and the detail that they have been openly sharing to be able to help so many other men and women that are going through uh, deep trials and tribulations, that have had a horrific childhood that nobody else would think they would ever have had, and there's nobody else like them. And there are so many that have been wounded and hurt so terribly as a child. And we just thank you that John Thomas and, and Bob have shared um, what has happened to them and that there is uh, healing and deliverance and you can um, take that story and you can use it and you can help other men and women and give hope to the impossible situations and Lord we thank you that you turn everything around to good Romans eight twenty eight to the end. It just, there's so many things that you can do. Lord, we ask that you would touch all of these marriages that are starting the process of marriage restoration, that are opening the doors, knocking on the doors to to go out to dinner with their wife or husband and with their children because they have uh, been the ones that have left the home. We ask that you would touch all of these marriages and whatever stage they're at, and all of the testimonies that even Mary Lisa said that she had to go back and apologize to her girlfriends and and repent for being um, gossiping and and slandering her husband in so many ways. Lord, help us to examine our hearts. May you speak to us and tell us what we need to change in our own hearts and lives instead of pointing just at our spouse for all that they need to do. Lord, I thank you for... um, john thomas speaking about mentoring and how important it is because unless we learn how to do it unless we understand um what it is to pick up the cross and follow jesus there are new people that are do not know jesus christ only as a brand new believer they don't understand all the the church word wording and and put it into application. So, Lord, we just pray that you would have all of these um, details in this testimony help both the husband and the wives, prodigals and the standers, and even the children that may have be standing with their mom or dad. And maybe there's somebody that has wounded them, and they don't even know it. And may we just be aware, reveal, Lord, Anything that is evil that is going on in our families' lives and expose it. And Lord, we just ask that you would protect all the innocent children, they are the victims. And we just ask that you would just raise up a mighty standard for all of us. You want us to be different. You want us to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want men and women to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. We want our children to know you as Lord and Savior, as young, and continue to grow up and mature in the Lord. We thank you what you have done to these two lives that have been transformed totally, completely. And we thank Thank you for the calling on john thomas life and what he is learning and and both of them to the last thing they both thought they would be doing was to work in the prayer ministry and and to have a burden for that lord we believe that all things can happen if we will just ask seek and keep knocking And if we keep asking, seeking, and knocking, you will hear us, and you will guide us, you will direct us, you will speak to us in so many different ways. Thank you for how that you spoke to John Thomas to go home, and he was obedient. Lord, we pray for the prodigals that are disobeying you each and every day. And we pray that you will shake the the prodigals and bring them home now, suddenly, quickly. We ask that you would touch the standard, that they will make more time to put you first and read the word and pray and never give up. Never, never give up because you have a plan and purpose far greater for each of these couples, each of these family members. Every one of these children could rise up to be mighty men and women of God, missionaries and so forth. But, Lord, we're asking you to just move mightily, and we just ask that you will just use this to give hope whenever their situation seems hopeless because if we trust the lord Mm -hmm. he's no respecter of persons and we just give you the praise and the glory thank you lord for orchestrating this all together in jesus name we pray amen
0: amen Amen. we appreciate you joining us today and i know that it'll be a blessing to many and many people will be praying not only for your marriage and your ministry but also for your family that's expanding
2: thank you so much for the opportunity
3: yeah, thank you. We we really appreciate being here and we just hope that what we've been through can can be an encouragement and a hope to to others that are experiencing the th- same thing right now.
0: And I know it will be. Thank you. Thank you so much. God
3: bless you. God
2: bless you guys.
3: Take care. Bye.
0: If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, be sure to subscribe so that you're notified when a new episode is released. And if you enjoyed this podcast and you found it beneficial, will you submit a review so it will help our rankings and other people will be able to find it? If you want to reach out to us, you can do so from our website. Again, www.rejoiceministries.org. Write us and tell us how you enjoyed this podcast.
3: If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.
0: We have a resource that we want to give you called A Prayer Against Generational Sins. You can receive this free resource when you text the word REJOICE to nine five four nine zero eight. Six, seven, four, four. Again, to receive the resource called A Prayer Against Generational Sins, just text the word REJOICE to 954-908-6744. Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift, Visit RejoiceMinistries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family.